Chapter 23. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this chapter. I want to get to the back, which is the story of how Christmas got its date, which is chapter 24. It's our text. Um, bless you. When David was old and had lived a long life, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. Which son rebelled against David at this time? Do you remember his name? Not Absalom. It was Absalom's next youngest brother, Adonijah. Adonijah rebelled. Again, David has to leave and it's a big inconvenience and there's a whole thing going on with David's, uh, David's last wife. You remember her name? David can't keep warm. So they find this girl, Abishag, to, to come and, and be a bed warmer, basically, for David. He doesn't have sex with her, but, but she's his wife and she sleeps with him. Um, and in fact, Adonijah, after Adonijah's rebellion is put down and Solomon spares Adonijah, he doesn't kill him. Then Adonijah does something after David dies. He, he not only asks David if he can marry Abishag, but he gets Bathsheba to do the asking so that Solomon's own mother is the one asking on behalf of this, uh, uh, this, this man who is not her son. Um, but by asking to marry Abishag, Adonijah was effectively asking to marry a queen mother, which was another bid for the throne. Solomon sees it at that, and Adonijah does not live through that day. Once the question is asked, he, Solomon, well, snaps his fingers, and Adonijah is dead at that moment. Um, but So David now is old. This is the end of David's reign. It is 5, no, 970, 970 B.C., he made his son Solomon king over Israel. He gathered together all the officials and officers of Israel, along with the priests and Levites. The Levites were 30 years old. and, and Sorry, the Levites who were 30 years old and over were counted. And their total number, man by man, was 38,000. This is not the, uh, the count, the census, that happened a little while ago. That, that's, that's what led to the, to, the, to, the, to the destroying angel and the... The, um, the hilltop, the, the, the threshing floor of Orana, the Jebusite, to be chosen as the temple. That uh, census, Joab, we're told in Chronicles that Joab did not count the Levites because he thought that David shouldn't have done that. David is not counting the Levites for, um, for uh, uh, reasons of being conceited or, or proud. He's counting them because there's too many. And they need work to do, and he wants to organize them. That's why he's counting the Levites. 38,000. How many guys can fit next to the altar to help cut up the next lamb? If there are 38,000. The fact is, David's plan for the temple was twice as big as Moses um, had, had, had done the tabernacle. So it's, it's going to be enormous. Um, but still not room for 38,000 guys. So David said, of these, 24,000 are to oversee the work of the Lord's house. 6,000 are to be officers and judges, 4,000 gatekeepers, 4,000 to praise the Lord in musical instruments that I made for giving praise. That I think that David designed and had built. Um, new musical instruments. 
the right kind of, of animal intestine, what did they use for strings on their harps and stuff? Catgut. Catgut, typically. Um, it resonates better. Um, sorry, you're all, you're all speech of catgut, you're done. That's uh, an old, old joke. Um, but the right kind of wood, the right kind of glue, the right kind of sound hole, and you can make a better harp like you can make a better violin. Who made the world's greatest violins? Stradivarius. Violins, violas, cellos, and basses, right? He made all of them. But because of the, of the wood quality of his part of Italy, because of the, the resin and the gum and whatever else he used for glue, maybe the berries he chewed up and spit into the glue, uh, all of that had a, I don't know, all that had a part in, in making, he just used a regular form, but it was something about the wood, the weather maybe, the quality of the trees and other things, and his own skill. That's, so the greatest violins ever were made by him. By the way, if you would like to see the worst violin ever made, it's in my office. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, I, I, how do you get this? these guys to, well, I, I, I propose that David did not get them all to work at the same time, but divvied them up. With 24,000 priests, if you give them all two weeks on, then at any given moment, you have 1,000 priests and for two weeks. So you work how many days in a row on a certain shift? It's not easy to cut up an ox after all. Um, you know, you work, you get a day off, you work, you get a day off or whatever. The two, 250 officers and judges, that's less than 100 on duty at any given moment. Um, 166 gatekeepers and that many musicians, roughly. And that kind of divides up into what you might think of as the people around for temple worship. Um, I'm going to come back to that in the next chapter. David's division of the Levites he assigned them to divisions based on their descent from the sons of Levi, namely Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Uh, what were Moses and Aaron? Gershonites, Kohathites, or Merarites? Uh, I believe that they were, I'm sorry, uh, they were from Kohath. In fact, I know that they were from Kohath, but anyway. The Gershonites were descended from Ladan and Shimei. The sons of Ladan were these guys. I'm not going to read all their names. Uh, we're, we're coming to a point here, so I'm not going to go through every single name. Sons of Shimei were Jehath, Ziza, Jeush, and Bariah. Then the sons of Kohath were Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel, four and all. And Amram, as we learn in the next verse, Amram's sons were Aaron and Moses. So... Uh, I believe their mother's name was Jochebed, if I'm remembering that correctly. Aaron was set apart to consecrate the most holy things. He and his sons received a permanent assignment to burn incense before the Lord, to minister to him, to bless his name forever. Aaron and his sons were the priests who would be the high priests um, from then on. Um, however, the sons of Moses, the man of God, were classified along with the rest of the tribe of Levi. So Moses had sons, they were not high priests. They were Levites. They, would, they could serve as priests, but not high priests. That was Aaron, not Moses. The sons of Moses were Gershom and Eliezer. Do you remember the story about Gershom in the book of Exodus, early in the book of Exodus? 
Yeah, excellent. So Moses uh, at uh, 40 kills a guy in Egypt, buries him in the sand. I think it's Vincent Price. And then he, that's in the movie. And then uh, he has to run away to, to Midian and uh, marries uh, a girl, um, 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 uh, 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 Zipporah. Um, and they have, they begin having children. And one of them is Gershom. That's the first one. And uh, then the Lord calls him within the burning bush to come back to, uh, to Pharaoh in Egypt and, you know, let my people go and so forth. And the Lord gives him all kinds of comforting things and I'll be with you. And Moses complains, I'm not good at speaking. And the Lord says, Aaron is, he'll go with you. It'll be fine. And I have reason to believe that Joshua was with him during his exile in Midian because Joshua was his servant from a young age. And I don't think that meant just a year or two, but out in Midian too. But that's, that's irrelevant. But as Moses is going back, the Lord who just sent him comes flying at him in the desert to kill him because he has not yet circumcised Gershom. And his wife has to pick up a flint knife and do it. And then she says, you've, made a, you, you've become a bridegroom of blood to me. So she was really mad. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure that then they went to Pharaoh because... After the Exodus, when they get to Mount Sinai, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, brings her and the kids out to Moses at Sinai. So I kind of wonder if maybe Moses was on his way, they had this incident, she gets mad and she goes back with dad or whatever. And uh, did Moses have, you know, some trouble in his household? But that's just based on the text, not on conjecture. That's just... Because later on, she shows up again. The son of Gershom was Shibuel, the head. The son of Eliezer was um, Rehabiah, the head. Eliezer had no other sons, but Rehabiah had very many sons. Um, and then you get um, uh, some more sons here, Izar, Shelemeth, and so forth. And then the Merarites. Um, these were the descendants of Levi who were registered by their father's households. They were listed under the heads of their father's houses. All those 20 years old and older were counted man by man and registered by name to perform the work for the service of the Lord's house. Uh, David no longer requires them to be 30, but cuts it back to 20. Maybe because there's more to do. Not exactly sure about that, but it's acceptable. David had said, the Lord, the God of Israel, has given rest to his people and he dwells in Jerusalem forever. That's the key sentence. The Lord dwells in Jerusalem forever, so the Levites will no longer need to carry the dwelling and all the vessels and utensils for its service. David cancels the law of Moses that required the Levites and priests to carry certain parts of the tabernacle because David says, we're not moving anymore. You guys are out of a job. So now he's going to give them different jobs, and the Lord is okay with this. So according to the last directions given by David, the descendants of Levi, 20 years old and older, were counted. Their work was to assist the descendants of Aaron in the service of the Lord's house. And I have this list kind of on the bottom of the, of the front page. Um, and they do service in the Lord's house, the courtyards, the storage rooms, they're organizing and stuff, and the purification of all the holy things that is in all the work of the service of God's house.
and their responsibilities included the bread that was to be set out and the fine flour for the grain offerings, whether for unleavened wafers or for offerings baked in a pan or those soaked in oil. They did all of the measuring and mixing. This is a really curious phrase. So, Mama, are we going to take a offering up to the temple? Yes, we are. Um, is it going to be a bread offering, grain offering? Yes, it is. Mama, can I help you mix it? No, no. The Levites do all the measuring and mixing. They're going to get the recipe right. By the way, I've attempted to make unleavened bread more than once in my home. Do you know this story? Uh, using the recipe I find in Scripture, which is flour, water, oil, and salt, and no shortening or butter or certainly no yeast, but those four things, you mix them together, it makes a dough, and you, I fry it in a griddle, fry it in a pan, starts to go, and I get the spatula under it, and I flip it, and what happens when you flip that? It explodes into dust. Poof! It's like there was nothing holding this together at all, and I made dust more than once. And Kath would say, you're cleaning that up. You know, and yeah, yeah, I know. And then last year, my son Peter was up in the dorm at MLC, and they tried this too, in one of the kitchenettes. And they tried to make unleavened bread. And, and Peter had remembered what I had done, and he thought he would get it right, made all the stuff, and he flipped it, and pow, it exploded into dust, just like mine had done. So I don't know what I'm missing there, but something. They also were to stand and thank and praise the Lord every morning and likewise in the evening and to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the prescribed festivals. Why did they celebrate the new moon? What, what is the new moon? It's the beginning of the month. We get our word month from moon. And it was their calendar. You know, their local funeral home did not give them free calendars with the pastor's name on the bottom. Uh, they had to, they, they had to uh, do, so they had a little party, a little new moon festival. They made little special desserts or whatever, and they had a little party. And then, then they would know, oh, it's no longer Nisan, now it's Ziv. Now it's Ab, now it's Tammuz, whatever it was. They were to serve continually before the Lord, the number specified by the regulations, so they would diligently carry out their duties for the tent of meeting, their duties for the holy place, and their duties with their brothers, the descendants of Aaron, for the service in the Lord's house. Chapter 24. Um, this chapter has a lot of names, and I'm not going to read them all. In fact, I'm only going to read the first ten verses, because I want to take you through how we get the date for Christmas out of this chapter of the Bible. Are you ready for this? All right. Division of the Priests. The following were the divisions for the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. But because Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children, Eliezer and Ithamar served as priests. Nadab and Abihu appeared to have died at least the way I read the text in the book of Numbers, or Leviticus 10, rather, is that they died either the day that they were ordained or the day after. But ordination lasted a week for the priests, and they die before that week is done. 
In fact, it seems like the very first sacrifices that they made on the, on the brand new tabernacle way back in 1445 B.C. Uh, were, this is a year after the Exodus, that um, they were for the ordination of the priests. That's, we're going to start right there. With, you guys are set aside. So there was a fellowship offering that they were supposed to eat. But Nadab and Abihu had already sinned, were put to death by the Lord, and then Aaron and Moses had a fight about why didn't you eat the, the special consecrated meat? And Aaron says, because my sons died. And, you know, would, would the Lord have been happy if I had, you know, had a banquet? And that satisfies Moses. But there's a whole thing about this in, uh, in, in Leviticus chapter 10. That's referred to again later on in the book of Numbers. Anyway, so two priestly families. And then now David with these two guys, one for each side of the family of the high priest. So David together with Zadok, the representative for the male descendants of Eliezer, and Ahimelech, the representative of the male descendants of Ithamar, divided the priests excuse me, into divisions to be assigned different forms of service. And because the descendants of Eliezer had more men who were leaders of large groups than the descendants of Ithamar did, this is how the priests were divided. For the descendants of Eliezer, there were 16 heads of fathers' houses. And from the descendants of Ithamar, there were eight heads of their fathers' houses. So 16 and 8, right? Two to one. They were assigned to their duties impartially by drawing lots, which is fair enough, right? We could do it however we're going to do it. They decided to do it this way in particular. Uh, Sunday night, I served in the capacity of a former circuit pastor at Cortland. They were calling a, a pastor full-time. And we got, it got time to vote on the candidate. And uh, they didn't have any ballots made. So what do we do? So I said, well, we could all pretend we're 10 years old. Heads down, thumbs up. Right? Remember that game? Or they could, they could just close their eyes and raise their hand. They, they chose to tear up ballots, actually to find some pieces of paper. They didn't have to, but that's what they chose. That was fine. But here they drew lots. There were officials for the sanctuary and officials to serve in the presence of God from the sons of Eliezer and from the sons of Ithamar. Shemaiah, son of uh, Nathanael, the scribe, who was a Levite, recorded the lots. So they wrote it, they had a secretary, wrote it down. Uh, in the presence of the king and the government officials, namely Zadok and Ahimelech um, and these other guys. And one father's house was chosen from the descendants of Eliezer. And they could have gone every other one, right? But there were more of one than the other. So they do Eliezer, Eliezer, and then Ithamar. Does that make sense? So it looks like this. Eliezer, Eliezer, Ithamar. Eliezer, Eliezer, Ithamar. Eliezer, Eliezer, Ithamar. And here are the first names. I'm not going to read any more of the text than this. The first lot came out to Jehoiarib, the second Jediah, Harim, Seorim, Melchijah, Mijamin, Hakods, and Abijah. And if you look at the families, so yeah, Jehoiarib, Jediah from Eliezer, Harim from Ithamar, and so forth. Abijah at the bottom is the eighth guy from Eliezer, right? Now, how do we, now in all there are 24 divisions. 16 and 8 is 24. And the question is, do they serve two weeks in a row every year? 24 divisions in 12 months, right? 
Do they do two weeks in a row or do they one, do one week on, 23 weeks off, one week on, 23 weeks off? And the Lord will command and David will agree that it should be all hands on deck for the three big festivals. So when Passover comes, that one day when they're slaughtering all the lambs, they all, all the priests show up because then they do need 24,000 because they've got, you know, two million Israelites all wanting to butcher their lambs. So yeah, they, and I'll bet they didn't all do it within three feet of the, of the, of the altar either. But anyway, um, so is it this way, one week on, or is it this way, two weeks in a row? Um, and ancient tradition among the Jews says that it was this way, two weeks on and then the year off, except that he would go back for the three festivals. Okay, so you go back for um, Passover and Pentecost, or weeks, and then, and then uh, uh, Day of Atonement also. To look at what it looks like on the calendar, Nisan, first two weeks of the month of Nisan is Jehoiarib. And then the 14th of Nisan is Passover, so the transition day is when they're all there. And then the other guys have two weeks, and then Harim has two weeks, and Seorim, and Abijah. And this is the way it looks on our calendar. Okay? You know, more or less. Um, and so Abijah, the eighth guy, is in July. Do you see that name down there, Abijah, on the lower right? Just look at that for a second. Do you recognize that name? Luke 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. That's the father of who? John the Baptist. And he is from this division, the eighth division, the priestly division of Abijah that always serves around the end of July. Make sense? So ancient Christians took that fact and this verse and the other verses in Luke 1, that talk about Elizabeth being in her sixth month when Mary conceives and so forth. You put those together and guess what? We have a calendar of the pregnancies of Elizabeth and Mary with dates because Zechariah comes home after his July stint. He goes home to Elizabeth and being conservative, yeah, maybe Elizabeth does not get pregnant the first month that he comes home, but she certainly gets pregnant early because God says she's going to get pregnant. And by the way, how old is Zechariah? He is under what age? 50. He cannot, he's in his 40s. So, because they, they, they couldn't go beyond 50, that he had to retire. So, often our, I'm going to call them our Sunday school pictures of Zechariah are of this wizened old ancient Gandalf of a guy and uh, he was younger than me. Aaron, do you mind? How old are you? You're 41. Okay. Some get a whiteboard when they're 40. So uh, Elizabeth pregnant in maybe in September. She completes that pregnancy month. Um, and then in October, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be doing too many slides. Um, month two, three, four, five, six. In her sixth month, Mary is pregnant, and they get together. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth at that point. Elizabeth 
Um, this is the same uh, information on here, and I have all this for you on your sheet. Elizabeth completes her seventh month, and Mary completes her first. Elizabeth's eighth month is Mary's second. Elizabeth's ninth month, when John is born, is Mary's third, right? Then Mary goes on to have her baby after her ninth month, which ends up August, September, October, November, sometime in December, conservatively speaking, sometime in December. That is actually how early Christians got the approximate date for Christmas. Um, Christmas was not a major church festival in the early years of the church. The big festivals were, well, of course, Easter, um, Pentecost, which used to be called Whit Sunday. Um, those were the really the big two, um, Pentecost and Whit Sunday. And then in the in the in the ancient pericope, I have a translation of 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 of. Uh, uh, pericope number five is what it's called in my office. Uh, um, and, uh, and they're all basically the same, but there was an allowance toward the end of the, um, I, I, no, at the very beginning of the church year, rather, which is Advent begins in December, for a little, a little, a little time out to talk about the incarnation of Christ and then the birth of Christ in the, after the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is around December 25th. That is all for tonight. Uh, so we'll not meet next week. The week after, we will finish First Chronicles. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.